the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Derek Bukema, pastor of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today for Grounded and Growing in Christ here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Each weekday at this time, we open God's Word, exploring how it changes us and brings us closer to Him. Right now, we are in a message series called We Believe, focusing on the Gospel of John. All through this Gospel, John is driving us toward belief and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We hope and pray that as a result of this series, you will see new faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. To hear all of the messages in this series, please visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. And if you'd like to help provide financial support for this radio ministry, you can make a gift of any size at that same website, groundedandgrowingradio.com. If you're not already a part of a local church family, then I would like to invite you to visit us at Orland Park CRC this Sunday as we gather to worship the Lord and study His Word together. To find our service times and location information, just visit groundedandgrowingradio.com. And now, let's open God's Word to see what He has for us today. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 18? Today we're going to talk about how he has a mystifying kingdom. I also want to give you some background, everyone, to this passage here. Jesus has been demonstrating to his disciples the nature of the love that he has for them. He's been, um, he's been demonstrating his humble, strong love through washing his disciples' feet. This was something that was reserved for the lowest servants in any house, was washing the feet. And Jesus has just done that. And then he tells his disciples that they should love that way. He's sort of beginning to describe, to show through his actions and words, how it is that his kingdom is not like what we would expect. And here, as he approaches his end, he just excels the kind of humble love that he's demonstrating through the way that he treats them as he goes to the cross, as he, the way he treats us as he goes to the cross. This act of love that takes place at the cross is one to, you know, to this day that still confuses and mystifies people that are watching. And in this passage here, there are actually five different ways that the mystifying aspects of this kingdom are on display And we're going to be talking about them. First, it's a kingdom that highlights the failure of some of its leading generals. Second, it's a kingdom where the king demonstrates absolute control through his exercise of humility. It's not what we would expect. Third, it's a kingdom where people don't win by fighting. Fourth, it's a kingdom where truth is a person. And fifth, it's a kingdom where the king wins by dying. So what we're going to do right now is take a look at John chapter 18... And we're going to read, uh, starting at verse 15, and we're going to read through the end of the chapter. Here's how my Bible reads. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, 
You also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them standing and warming himself. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I've always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all Jews come together. I've said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand saying, is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, if what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Annas then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, you are, you also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of his servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once a rooster crowed. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could not eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, if this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, it's not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called to Jesus and said to him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king? Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who's of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? After he had said this, he went back inside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. But you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. So like I said at the beginning, there are five different ways that we have demonstrated for us that this kingdom is not what we expect. Here's the first one. It's a kingdom that highlights the failures of its leading generals. If you were to read any history of any great empire One thing that you will not find is that history articulating how bad its leading generals were. Throughout the gospel of John, Peter has pretty clearly understood who Jesus is. He's regularly been the one who has identified who Jesus is in a whole host of different places. Throughout all of the gospel witnesses, Peter is the one who seems to have a unique, clear understanding of who this Jesus is. And yet here, woven through the passage that we've just read, Peter denies him and then denies him again. Peter denies Jesus three times and then the rooster crows. 
It's, it's really artfully told in this particular passage because it starts by telling us about Peter and his denial. It cuts to Jesus and his faithfulness and then it brings us back to Peter who denies him again. And he denies him in a crazy sort of way because it calls back what had happened just a few short hours ago. Peter had, had, been, had been the one who had said, you know, if, if everybody else runs away from you, I'm going to be there. And then Jesus is in the garden and he's praying and, and Judas comes with officers from the chief priest to arrest Jesus, to hand him over, to be crucified. And Peter, for a moment, tries to demonstrate his strength. And so he takes out his sword. And in an almost comical act of uh, swordsmanship, he slices with all his might and is able to remove the ear of one of the guards. That's all he's able to do. And we're told about it because one of the relatives of that dude who lost his ear is actually there with Peter. And he's like, no, 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 no. You definitely know Jesus. Like a couple hours ago, you cut off my cousin's ear because you were trying to defend him, man. I know that you know Jesus. Jesus heals the ear of this man and Jesus allows himself to be taken, delivered over to die. Peter's inability as a swordsman and then inability as a general sort of spiritually because of his denial is what is on display here and it demonstrates how unlike any other human kingdom, the kingdom of the Lord Jesus is. The Bible doesn't ever keep us away from the failings of the followers of Jesus In fact, it often highlights how weak are those who follow after Jesus. Person after person and hero after hero in the scriptures, we encounter profound weaknesses that sometimes undo so much of what they had done. And here, as we see Peter throughout the book of John know who Jesus is, we recognize that he is so weak because in his moment of testing and trying, he denies Jesus three times. You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook Answering Seven Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's groundedandgrowingradio.com. And now, more from Pastor Derek in our series called We Believe, focusing on the Gospel of John. We pray that as a result of this series, you will see new faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, who writes most of the New Testament through his letters, talks about all of the things that he accomplished all of the learning that he had amassed, all of the keeping of the law that characterized his loss. And after he relays all of that, he says, but I count this all loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus. Paul said that he boasts then in his weakness. Paul talks about how he has a thorn in his flesh which keeps him near to the Lord Jesus and and reminds him that that the power of Christ Jesus is actually made perfect in Paul's weakness. And here as we read about this mystifying kingdom, it shares with us, it tells us an important truth that if you want to be a follower of Jesus, and I pray that all of us here tonight do, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, the most important aspect of all of that is to acknowledge your own inability, to acknowledge your own weakness, 
which is to say you need to acknowledge your need for him. If you want to be a servant of the Lord Jesus, mightily used by him, the only requirement is you acknowledge your need for him. And Peter's need is on display here in this passage. The second way that this kingdom is mystifying is, I mean, aren't you just kind of astounded by Jesus in this passage? How he's able to bear up under such incredible opposition? How he's being struck by those in power and he doesn't lose his cool? How he continues to maintain his innocence and articulate the reality of his kingdom when, when threatened with death? He doesn't beg because he knows that he's in control. He doesn't try to explain his actions because every single one of them have been utterly blameless. And in the midst of all of it, you can see how extraordinary our Savior is as he stands up under opposition. His innocence is on display in this passage in kind of a humorous way. As he's being tried, no one can seem to find fault with him. And my favorite part of that is um, when Pilate asks why he, uh, why he was brought to them. He's like, what has he done wrong? And the people that brought him to Pilate were like, hey, if he didn't do something wrong, would we be here? I mean, obviously he did something wrong because we had to bring him here. But they can't even come up with a charge to try to charge him when they bring him to Pilate. He's so innocent. He's in control. He mystifies the governor, Pilate, who really has the life of Jesus in his hands, humanly speaking, and Jesus doesn't bat an eye. There's an incredible amount of authority and control that is wed inextricably with humility and lowliness. Absolute power, complete innocence, utter humility. You don't see that anywhere in this world, except in Christ Jesus. Here's the third. In this mystifying kingdom of the Lord Jesus, people don't win by fighting. Pilate asks him if he's a kingdom, if he's a king. Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answers in verse 34, do you say this to your own accord or do others say it about me? And Jesus says in verse 36, then, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. Jesus says that if he had been a king of an earthly kingdom, all of his followers would be fighting on his behalf. He says, you can tell that my kingdom is not of this world because none of my followers are fighting. This is a hard lesson for us to learn. Followers of the Lord Jesus don't win through battle. Not crusades. Not through an exercise of political will. Not through power or wealth or strength. Not through any means by which the world might point and say, okay, that makes sense. That's a kingdom that makes sense. Jesus said, all right, my kingdom is not of this world. And the way that you know that 
is that it has none of those earthly markers of kingship. My followers aren't fighting. Years before this, there was a prophecy that was given to the servant of God, Daniel. In the book of Daniel, it's recorded for us. There's a dream that the king has that there is a, a, a giant statue that's made up of several different, several different uh, precious and, and not so precious building materials. And in the dream, a, a rock that, that's not made with human hands comes from a mountain and it just crushes this huge colossus that had been built. And the prophecy is that the Lord Jesus is going to come to destroy all the kingdoms of the world. What's amazing is that Jesus demonstrates that his kingdom is not of this world. And it's not that it is, it's not that it's less powerful. It is so much more powerful. It just doesn't exercise or wield that power through the ways that you or I are tempted to. It comes to be through humility, not by fighting. Fourth, this kingdom is mystifying because truth is a person. Did you notice how Jesus starts to describe himself as truth? Truth is not just a proposition here in the Gospel of John. Truth is a person. Truth is a human being. Jesus starts using some of this language. Jesus says in verse 37, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Jesus has been saying throughout the gospel that he bears witness to himself. And now he says that he's coming to bear witness to the truth. He is the truth that he's come to bear witness about. Jesus earlier in John chapter 10 has said that his sheep know his voice. All those who belong to him know his voice. Now he's saying all those who belong to the truth know his voice and listen to him. Jesus is demonstrating that, that he is truth. But, but here's the biggest, the biggest one. Pilate asks a wonderful question. He asks, what is truth? And in the most surprising part of John chapter 18, Jesus actually doesn't give an answer. And in fact, it seems like the scene sort of cuts and we're taken somewhere else. What is truth, Pilate says in verse 38? And then a new paragraph. After he had said this, he went back inside and the Jews said to him, there's no response from Jesus. Why is there no response I'd love if Jesus would have in that moment given a propositional answer, a good definition that I could use to describe truth. In an era where so many things related to truth are so hotly contested, I wish that I could just quote this section of scripture and say, here's the definition. But Jesus doesn't say anything. Why is that? Well, it makes perfect sense. Truth is a person. And all Pilate needed to do was to look into the eyes of the man who stood accused standing right across from him. And he would have realized that the full measure of truth was there. Truth is a person. I was talking about this with one of my roommates many years ago. And he said, that's absurd. Truth can't be a a person. 
But in John chapter 18, there's no other way. What is truth? It's standing right there. It's Jesus. And if you're a person who wants to be concerned about truth, you need to know Jesus. And in this mystifying kingdom, truth is a person. Here's the last one. And the most evident. It's that the king wins by dying. As we work into John chapter 19, Psalm 22 is quoted. We heard some of it read for us this evening. And then if you would look with me in your Bibles at John chapter 19, verses 28 through 30. Here's how my Bible reads. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put up a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. You've been listening to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukemai. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook Answering Seven Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's groundedandgrowingradio.com. And now, more from Pastor Derek in our series called We Believe, focusing on the Gospel of John. We pray that as a result of this series, you will see new faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. In this mystifying kingdom, the king wins through demonstrating his thirst and then dying. And as much as he had just expressed love to his disciples by washing their feet and saying, now you go and do likewise, he now gives to us the most pure, complete, and glorious picture of what life is. The Bible tells us that, is that, the Bible tells us that greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And that is precisely what Jesus does here. He experiences all of the pain of crucifixion, a horrific way to die. He experiences all of the difficulty that you and I experience, even just through simple, humble thirst. And he bears all of the wrath of the Father. All of it. So that you and I would bear none of it. And in the greatest act of love that has ever taken place on the face of the earth, knowing full well that every single person that he was dying for, you and me, were just like Peter. People who were weak and denied him and full of sin. And being fully God and being able to understand that, that he was dying for each of us. Able to see through all of history as he is upon the cross because he is God. He could look into your heart and into mine and know of its blackness and darkness and weakness. Know of all of the ways that I would deny him through words or thoughts or actions. 
all of the ways that I would sin, all of the ways that you would too. And yet still, to say for that one, weak, sinful and broken. For that one, I die. And he says a simple sentence. Utterly beautiful. It's finished. There's nothing that you or I could do to add to what Jesus has accomplished. There's no other victory that's to be won. In this mystifying kingdom, the king wins by dying. to today's message from Pastor Derek Bukema. To learn more about Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, listen to past programs, and to give a gift to support our work preaching the Bible on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, visit us today at groundedandgrowingradio.com. And while you're there, please sign up to download your free copy of the ebook Answering Seven Hard Questions That Christians Ask. Again, that's groundedandgrowingradio.com. This is Pastor Derek Bukema, and on behalf of Orland Park Christian Reformed Church, we want to thank you for your support and partnership in proclaiming the gospel here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. If you're looking for a local church to call home, Orland Park Christian Reformed Church welcomes you to worship with us this Sunday. You can find all the details online at groundedandgrowingradio.com. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time, may God bless you. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.